one i'm winded i've done nothing but sit on a bus all day and you're here uh, on a bike and like you're you're just chilling i feel like i was born on this bike i'm not even gonna lie um i honestly i would i kind of want to get a bike i would highly honestly. recommend it i do everything on this i think last year i even logged like how many miles mm -hmm. i rode yeah i remember and also how many almonds you were eating i think it was olives correctly <laughs> I went through a big, I went through a, olives. Yeah, I went through a really big olive. The slipperiest <laughs> food. Uh, I have a spreadsheet. I can literally tell you. I just don't remember where it went. Please do. I want to be impressed by it. It was promise. a lot. It was a lot. I think. I think it was definitely like it was many. A, I gotta many check a my Instagram. I okay. Let's see. I mean, I can literally hold on. I can go yeah. through your Twitter right now. Hold on. A dangerous proposition, but let me see. Okay, let's see. Bike. Okay, so your one-year authorversary, you said that you had logged 1.2 thousand, so 1,200 miles mm. logged on your bike. Yep. We're zooming. Madness. We're zooming. Absolute, absolute madness. Um, so if you don't know who I'm talking to already, by I feel like that gave away for a lot of people. Could be. <laughs> it's kind of your brand. Uh, but if you don't know our local bike queen, um, I am talking to AM Corey right now, uh, who I feel like we we've like crossed so many times. Like we have friends, our friends mm -hmm. are friends of friends and so they on are. and so forth. Um, so I've been meaning to have you on the podcast forever. Uh, but you ended up reaching out to me. Yeah. So so I saw, I, I saw cool. the call and I was for like, you, I feel like I need to answer this call and we'll see where the chips fall. And they fell right where we wanted them to. Yes, it was time. It was time. I'm really excited because you do something super cool and unique and i just in general i don't think a lot of people understand i don't think a lot of people know exists in the outside of the fanfic space um so i'm really stoked to actually get into that with you today because like i was thinking about it so i was on the bus today i was coming back from sacramento for visiting my grandfather and it was a whole thing um but i was so i was reading i was reading um halloween mm -hmm. Hune. I believe on on the, on the bus of Gargoyle Man, Gargoyle Eric. It was great and I was having a time, but I was like trying to think of like, okay, like what are we gonna talk about? And, you know, trying to really um, uh, solidify like my thoughts. Like what is, what is interesting about this? Like what do I, what questions do I have? Um, and I, I think we should start. I want, I would love for you to define what it is exactly that you do. Oh. What is it that I do? Um, I write monsters, but I write them in second-person point of view. So I guess, like, I don't know, to give you the background, um, I am an original fanfic queen at heart. I love fanfic. Um, I think I started with, mm -hmm. oh, my God, what did I start with? Zutara was, like, my main couple. 
Um, so Zuko and Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, good taste only. The fact that they weren't canon, like, still breaks my heart. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Aang is sweet, but... Because they couldn't oh. commit. They couldn't commit yeah. to it. Avatar, Avatar The Last Airbender, not to be confused with the actual movie, The Last Airbender, or Avatar, a separate movie. So, yeah. I've had a mm-hmm. lot of thoughts. I've had a lot of thoughts. Yeah. About so I think it was Zutara first. Um, and then I think Seskag. So Sashomaru uh, and Kagome from Inuyasha. Next. Uh, yeah. Oh, you don't need, oh, you don't need to mm-hmm. define that. You well, don't need for to the, define for that. the listeners I was there. out there. For I was the fans. There. That's what it is. Yeah. But yeah. We can get into it later too. But Sashomaru was like my blueprint. Like demon, monster white hair like checks all the boxes Mm -hmm. that's what it is so Mm -hmm. started off with fanfic Mm -hmm. was like hey it's Mm -hmm. like really cool that these chicks like get to be on their own story but what about me like i want to be with so i can never say his name so um i want to be with him so then i kind of got into like reader insert like ym fanfic which um if you've read my books i don't actually Mm -hmm. use ym i just i don't i use like nicknames i don't use like that as a descriptor so YN meaning like your name. So I got into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, hmm, I like this. And I think the second point, the second person point of view just kind of fell in that way. And that's how I got into it. Yeah. So can you mechanically explain what exactly is second person point of view? What is Yeah, that? so second person is, as you said, it's pretty much like you don't really see it outside of the fanfic space. Um, so it is like really popular mm-hmm. if you're reading reader insert fanfic or things like that, but essentially it's, um, instead of someone being described in third person, which like uses their name. So like AM Cora does this, or instead of using first person, which is the I, so I do this, um, it's directed at you. So it's, it's the reason why it's called a reader insert is because it kind of breaks the fourth wall and it's saying you are doing these things. You are walking around, you are meeting these monsters. Um, everything I write is again, yeah white hair thing we can unpack that but everything i write is pretty self-serving so like i literally like this whole thing was born out of me wanting to peg the mothman so hence you <laughs> I, what, what a yeah. pure pure exactly. motivation i love it i love yeah. it so and it's much it. yeah and you know what you found your I people i did i did i was like I don't know. It's funny because I say like Sashomaru was the the blueprint, but I think that was before I realized like how much I actually do like monsters. So I think me and Mm -hmm. their mother were part of the cohort that saw like that IPB TikTok back in like June or July, I don't know, 2021, 2022, where you started off with like blue aliens with ridges. Mm -hmm. And then I always like to say like Mm -hmm. the slope was basically X equals zero. It was a straight line down looped with orc seed. So that's really the descent into monsters. Um, that's where it all started, and yeah. here we are now. Yeah, and I think uh, so. If if you are unfamiliar, if you're still lost, what this means is first person is uh, a book that is from the character's interior monologue. Right? It is I went to the store. Second person is you went to the store. Third person is she went to the store. Um, and so the. Doing second person introduces so many levels of complexity to narrative storytelling. Um, It's not a choose your own adventure. You don't get to pick what you want to do, even though you are being addressed and you are in the fiction. Um, It's not uh, an RPG. It's not a, you know, it's not a 
uh, god of whatever it is that whatever it is that the arcana is that i'm blanking on the name um although that would be very cool and i thought hey she would be really 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 <laughs> really good at that um so you should do a video oh, i would love to um, <laughs> i would love to <laughs> um a visual novel mm -hmm. that's that's the word visual novel hopefully without the gambling <laughs> aspect um but uh, or the, all the microtransactions that too um but uh, this the way you have to balance telling the story getting the description in getting the narrative getting the the character that is its own character but is still the reader i am so fascinated by that and i i would love to hear about your process of how you actually go about building a narrative around a character that both does and doesn't exist yeah that is that's a great question i mean i think i guess just to begin with when i write and when i sit down and write it's really what i like about second first point of view and the whole you thing is i don't other than nicknames so i i mentioned earlier that i don't use yn which again in fanfic it usually stands for your name um there are actually some Google Chrome extensions, I think, where you can put in your actual name. So if you're reading like AO3, it'll put your name in, which is cool. But anyway, aside from I don't use YN, I try not to use any like character descriptors. So sometimes they're given nicknames. So for example, in um, Quiver and Quill, Gideon the Mothman refers to you, again, second person point of view, you as Little Harpy. That's like his nickname for you. So that's how I try to get around um, like mentioning actual names and descriptions. So I try to, again, leave it kind of ambiguous so you can imagine who you want. It could be you, it could be whoever, like your OC in the you space. Um, but aside from that, in terms of the plot, what I tend to do when I write down, when I first sit down to write a book um, is I'll actually do a spreadsheet, like a mapping exercise for the um, male main character, so for the monster. So um, I feel like my stories, I mean, some of them are definitely plot driven, but I think Mostly they're kind of like slice of life, um, you know, him just kind of like taking through the motions. But I like to really leave it up to the monster. And I think one of the benefits of second first point of view is, again, it, I guess it's a blessing and a curse because, you know, it's you. Um, you don't really have the full on descriptions, but it allows the spotlight to really shine on the monster aspect of it. So I like that portion of it. So mm -hmm. the the whole like mapping out his likes, his dislikes, like what he would think about this, what he would think about that. That's really where I start. Then I just kind of let him take me wherever. So I guess I'm a plantster yeah. is the phrase. So like I have a very loose idea of like where I want the story to go. And I name all the chapters and I use that as like my outline. But other than that, it's kind of like the monster doing something or I'll get to a point where like, I want him to do this. And then when I actually get to that back end of the story, I'll be like, he wouldn't actually do that. Like, that's not his personality at all. So it'll kind of take me in a different direction. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it's really the monster holding the puppet strings and me just writing down. No, I really, I, I do think that does answer the question because if, you know, in a, in a more traditional sort of storytelling style, you're you're told that uh, your main characters are, are the the, the, the centerpieces and around which the plot revolves, right? Their actions have consequences, which is plot. Um, but if one of those characters kind of can't exist in, in, the, in the like sense that I think most people come to expect from, you know, modern literature, right? Um, you are both viewer and participant while also you still have to, 
You're not leaving blank spaces for somebody to, to choose the options. So you do still have to have an aspect of a character in there, um, which was very fascinating to me because I personally, I have not read a whole lot of these. I, I read um, I read a few way back in the day, I think when they really started taking off in fan fiction, but I was always much more comfortable reading um third person um and it wasn't even until i started really reading romance novels that i became comfortable really with first person um so obviously this wasn't something i necessarily gravitated to um but my best friend loves these um and i you know shout out to Paige. <laughs> she'll she'll just she'll consume like a 1.4 million oh. word thick of self-insert you know she loves I feel it. that i love that for her um I think we all we all know that person, and uh, yeah, they're a blessing mm-hmm. upon us. Um, but I, I, so I, I from a, I, I hadn't tried reading one since I became an author, since I really started taking writing seriously, even at all. Like I think probably last time I read one, I was like thirteen, and I was like, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> I was, it was funny because so I was with my family this weekend, and um, I was, I was talking to my mom. I was like, oh yeah, I have an interview on Monday that I like. I need to get to my bus for so I can get, get home. <laughs> anyway it's um, fine it's fitting and she's like well what interview uh and and uh and i was like oh this this really cool writer who writes from second person and i explained what it was um and i was like yeah i don't think it's necessarily like really my thing and she's like why i said well i don't really like being told what to do um (laughs) and she goes yeah oh my god that that brings me back to i don't know if you if you were a big drake and josh fan but i was but that episode where Josh, I think, is getting the mail or getting a delivery, and he goes, "You have a great day." Have and a great day. And the mail guy's don't like, "Don't tell, tell me, me what, to, what do. to do." Like, yeah, that's. I will say, I've gotten. Yeah. That's um, me. I've gotten some like feedback from people that second person point of view can be jarring, which I totally get. It's it's a tense that you don't really read, and again, like we've mentioned, it's kind of you only really see it in fanfic space, yeah. like in. I'm trying to think back to like all the writing classes I took in like high school and middle school. Like they kind of gloss over that as a, as a lesson. Like it's really based on first person and third person, because again, that's all you really read. So yeah, it's definitely jarring, but for, I feel like it's either like you love it or you hate it. There's kind of no in between. So I've heard people like really love it and get into it. And then I've heard people be like, this is not for me, which like respect, like it's definitely not for everyone. I think, I think that our brains fall into comfortable patterns, particularly in regards to language. We are designed to kind of find pattern and get used to it to understand it quickly. And so I think when we encounter something that subverts that pattern or is very strange um, and, and like flips things, like it's whenever you learn a new language, like if you have to put you know, the descriptions after the object, you know, English, we don't like doing that. But in other languages... That's how they do it. They order everything in what to us feels like the backwards way. That's very jarring at first. I think in the same way, like the longer at first when I was reading it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is like a little bit like I keep every time I see you, my brain Mm -hmm. like stutters just like a little bit. But then as I was reading, I stopped noticing and I and I just kept reading it. And I I think if you can get past that initial hurdle, it doesn't feel that different. Um, That being said, I was having an interesting discussion with some of my readers in my Discord the other day, and we were talking about – someone brought up, um, do you have certain names in romance that, like, totally take you out of it? Like a brother's name, for instance. Um, Like, you see it, you're like, I can't read that. And I don't have that problem. I read 
romance novels with you know people with my mother's name my brother's name my grandpa's name like no problem don't don't even notice it only time i notice anything like that is when it's like a weird nickname that mm. nobody has and yeah like, what are you doing you know that's you like doing? one of those things where i wouldn't notice it unless someone actually pointed it out to me being like oh isn't that so-and-so's na name like then i would notice it i don't think i would notice it from the get-go unless yeah. it was literally pointed out to me and then it would be the only thing i could fixate on so just don't talk to me when i'm reading don't mention well, it to me the thing is <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, for me, I was trying to think about why it doesn't bother me and why it might bother somebody else. And the kind of determination we came to is that it depends on your style as a reader. If you are a reader who is self-inserting into the, the fiction and who is very active as themselves as they read, um, it's I, I in my head, I, I call it a, a talkative reader, right? You are talking to the book as you read it. I'm not a talkative reader. I, I am the book. Book is me. Abigail disappears when book is in hand. She does not exist and blessedly so. Um, and so I don't think it bothers me because I'm not making the connection. And so I wonder how that style of reading, you know, and the various shades and differences in between that, right? How the, those different styles work with being a reader and who really likes or dislikes second person. Yeah, and the funny thing is too, so I also have a Discord and I've seen um, I've seen like people love certain books and some people love certain books in the series and some people don't vibe with other books. And I think it's really because if you are an immersive reader, like some people can really connect with the heroine in one book and like the MMC in one book and maybe another book just really, they can't imagine themselves as that person. And it's hard when it's saying you are doing this because then it's like, well, I wouldn't do that. So for me, it's kind yeah. of like, I think... Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I think because I started off reading fanfic and being like, well, I want to be this person. And then, you know, went into then reader insert fanfic and, fanfic and everything. It's just kind of like a natural... And of course, I'm writing it. So it's like, haha, this is for me. So um, I think for me, it's a natural, yeah. like, mm -hmm. I can consume you and be like fully bought into it. But I can understand why other people can't do that or don't like it. It's just... And I think for some people too, it's you know, maybe it's too immersive where they kind of want to be like a bystander in a book reading about the other two people and like enjoying it because they want to be taken, you know, it's a lot of work to put your brain through to imagine yourself in a situation. So I can totally respect and see that. Um, and for other people, so if, you know, you want to be the bystander, maybe it's almost too immersive. It's, there's too much happening. You can't really fully wrap your mind around it and it's kind of yeah. like an inception type deal. So I get it both ways, but mm -hmm. for me, again, Totally self-serving, wanted to peg the Mothman, did peg the Mothman technically if we're going by second person point of view, you perspective. Um, for me, it's kind of like what I know. I guess it's my bread and butter. And I love bread and I love butter. Yeah. Well, I mean, you achieved <laughs> your dream of both self and non-self Exactly. Lots of insertion that everywhere. That's the name of the game. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think it's so cool. It's such an interesting challenge. I would love to to experiment with this myself just to see what, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll make my brain do something different. Yeah, I, I mean, right? it's, that's cool. It's that's funny, awesome. too, because I, I mentioned earlier, like, I do the sheets for the characters and I go through, like, literally their personalities. They're yeah. like, I have a whole thing in terms of, like, their emotional wounds, like, all that kind of stuff. And I do them for all of the main characters. I also do one for you. But if you compare like what I do for the monster and the story versus for you, like the monster is always three to four pages long and you is like a one pager because it's basically like you have these little quirks to your personality and like, you know, you have general likes and dislikes and kind of, um, 
what, you know, the, the drum that you march to, but otherwise in terms of all this other stuff, like that's where I do try to leave it, you know, I'll kind of mention your background and why you think a certain way, but I, I do really want to leave it up to you to kind of put yourself in that situation or again, put your OC in there and see what you, and see, like kind of fill in the gaps there. So again, for some people that's like, they don't want to do that. that. Was, you know, that was what was interesting yeah. for me. I, cause I was, as I was reading it and as I got more comfortable and, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, I'm not someone who does a lot of self-insert stuff just in general when I read. So it wasn't my first impulse to be like, yes, and now Abigail is in, is in here. Now Abigail's going to smooch upon <laughs> the gargoyle man, the tortured gargoyle man in the, in the church. Um, as much as I would love that, don't get me wrong. He's a good one. Um, what I started to do, I noticed was I was filling in the gaps and making my mm -hmm. own character. Um, and, and that like, I didn't feel after, I think it was probably like the first five pages after that, I was like, oh yeah, no, I can totally, I'm, I'm totally with you here. I know who this is. I'm imagining, I'm picturing somebody. This is not an issue. I've got a voice in my head and everything. Um, and, and I, so I think like people can just get past that hurdle. I think that, that, that initial dissonance of being like, I'm not used to this and I don't like it. Um, but you know, that's, yeah, I, guess, I feel right? that too. I mean, as a writer, it also kind of lends an interesting challenge in that I like to, so my books can mm -hmm. technically, I consider them interconnected standalones. They can technically be read in any order, but I do encourage people to read them in publishing order yeah. because if you read them in publishing order, I like to hide Easter eggs and like, you know, name characters. So I started naming, I think in, I don't even remember, maybe in Flame and Fraud, which is the dragon book, the third full length book. I started referencing a character who will be in like, next july's what i have planned on my roadmap so i like to start kind of like planting the seeds early and making easter eggs but it's funny because i i start mentioning like all these other future love interests um from the male side in the books but i can't really have them all in the same room with like you because then you could be yeah, anyone that's so like i can't i have to like dance around mm -hmm. that um there is one consistent character in all of the books. So I don't know if you um, have seen like my Instagrams and I'm doing like the AM lore, but um, there's one consistent character that I consider like the center of the Teniversity cinematic universe. Um, and he's a fawn in a red scar. So he'll pop up like in any given scene. And it's funny. So in my discord, people will be like, oh, I found him. And they'll say like, they'll spoiler like the scene and everything. So that's been fun. But yeah, it's been challenging because like I would love to throw them all in a room. But then I'm like, well, which one is the FMC? Like, which book is it that I'm going to choose? Because, you know. Yeah. You're going to break some brains if you tried to Literally, do it's like I'm going to break my own brain. Or what's Fair left enough. of it. Yeah. Well, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a little bit. So my favorite book of all time, um, The Left Hand of Darkness by uh, mm. Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, and... It is. There's a lot to unpack with that book. It's a lot of good queer shit. It's fantastic. It mm. breaks down the idea of binary gender and just smashes it against the rocks. It's fantastic. Ooh, we love that. But it reminded me. So it's set on this planet. Um, it's, it's a nice planet where um, there's no fixed gender. People vacillate between male and female, but most of the time they are neither. And you can. They can have babies as mothers. They can have babies as fathers. Um, and there's like a whole like thing going on culturally with either one of those and the main character well mostly the main character is uh just a dude who's on the planet he's just a man he's on the planet trying to bring them into a federation and he has to kind of just do that and he has to get used to the fact that there's no gender here and ursula Le Guin did some 
wild shit with that book. But one of her prefaces for one of the, I think it was like probably the 15 year anniversary, 20 year anniversary. It's funny. If you get one of the copies now, it comes with like several different anniversary prefaces Mm -hmm. um, because it's, you know, been out for six years or whatever. Um, And the first one she did was like, people, you know, people often ask me, you know, she's this little white lady from Berkeley, right? (laughs) People often ask me, you know, did you write this as a sort of treatise against, you know, the, the you know, the, the, the patriarchy and the restrictions of, of traditional gender? And I say, no, no, I just wanted to, I just wanted a writing challenge where I thought it would be really interesting to write about people who don't have a gender. You know, that's, I thought that would be pretty cool. And then the following like 20 year anniversary edition, she's like, just kidding. I was saying something. Um, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. But it reminded me of like when I read that book for the first time, not only was I just like, oh, this is, there's so much to unpack here. But also as a writer, I was like, wow, this was such a challenge to figure out how you were going to use pronouns in a way that like wasn't going to erase the identities of the people you're talking about how you were going to i mean she goes so far as to such so subtly the main character every time he dislikes somebody or starts to dislike somebody or they do something he doesn't like he starts to describe them in feminine terms Mm. but when they do something he does like he describes them in masculine terms. Mm, see what you did there. That's so interesting. So good. So good, right? That, and so I was that thinking world building books. must be just like on, you know, oh, another level then. Another level. I mean, she was Ursula K. Le Guin, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, but I was thinking about your books and I was like, the, the, the machinations that I see, the like the shadow puppets that I'm seeing that indicate how crazy your hands are flapping behind the screen. Right? <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, so you are crafting a story that has to straddle the line between being a full story with two characters, right? And also being a story that has a gap big enough for somebody to put whatever they want in there. Like that is a that is a wild proposition. And we're not even getting like, I feel like in fan fiction, right? We are perfectly content to be like, yes, and here's this big blank space where you would put your name. Here's the YN, right? And that is a, uh, you know, I don't think you have to go so far to straddle that line in fan fiction. Also because people are already committed to the world. So like you don't have to do it nearly as much. But you don't, you decided to make your own world. And that was incredibly ambitious. And I would love to hear... Um, some of your your story of how you decided to do that, how you decided to take this monumental challenge that had quite a quite a few, you know, hand handouts, some gimmies from fanfic, and go, you know what? Fuck all the easy stuff. Let's make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, when I started writing, so Quiver and Cole is my first book. That's the one with the Mothman Professor Gideon. Um, it started off as literally a Google Doc in a Discord server because I thought it would be fun to try and see kind of what people thought of it. And I never thought it would like get into a series. Like I, I just literally wrote it for vibes and was like, this is fun. And then it just kind of spiraled because Gideon took me back through and was like, no, you're doing this. And I was like, okay. So um, I don't really know where to start. I guess when I first started writing Quiver and Quill, um, also like, 
I guess this is, I'm going on a tangent at this point, but um, I'm very like into gaming, but specifically like role-playing simulation games. So at the time I was, and I still am, was really into Stardew Valley. And I liked the idea oh, of like, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So grandpa's farm, like big city girl moves to like, you know, a smaller city just mm -hmm. to, you know, see what was going on. So I don't know, the, the concept in my head was really just kind of like Mothman professor at a university, enemies to lovers, he has white hair, spoiler alert, he has white hair, he dyes it, but that's like a whole other thing. Um, and just kind of like, again, self-serving, checking all the boxes of the tropes that I really love. Um, and then I, I, I feel like the world just kind of built itself from there. So even Eventide Falls is um, like the first setting of the book that's like a tiny sleepy town filled with monsters where the university is located. Um, and then the city that the series is actually named after, Tenebra City, um, is a play on the word tenebrosity. I love names and like, I love name lore. So I try to build it into everything. So Tenebra City just kind of, again, built itself with all the districts and like the different gems and all that kind of stuff. Um, I did some introspection and again, I love guys with white hair. Um, I should mention Prince Diamond from Sailor Moon, like very, very toxic, but I loved him. And I <sighs> kind of think like that's you where I got like the gem You keep hitting me with so hard with those fists. I can't yeah. believe this. So I think that's kind of where I got the gem things. But otherwise, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to answer this question because really I feel like the world just kind of came together. Um, the one thing I will yeah. say that I think has been really central is that I've always been a fan of like classic literature and Greek mythology. So Gideon was kind of Greek mythology on a platter. He's literally a professor of Greek mythology. But I just really like the idea of like fate versus free will. Um, I actually did a lore post on this, but... The ancient Greeks didn't really believe in free will. They kind of thought like fate was it, like no one, not even the gods yeah. can change your destiny. And I kind of thought, you know, with these monsters, when you live for so long, like we as humans, I guess, grapple with, you know, the, the inevitable. But with monsters, when you live for so long, that just gives you longer to think about your purpose. So um, pretty much all of the monsters, like, and they go about it in different ways. Like some of the monsters, like, completely reject the idea of fate and some monsters like kind of accept it to like a fault like Gideon for example um his whole thing is that he was given this very important name his grandmother who's the matriarch of his family um is pretty much holding him to live up to it and he's like no I don't want to do that to the point where he literally rejects everything that she wants for him just for the sake of rejecting it and he doesn't even know like what he wants or what he doesn't want so I guess where like I view the FMC in this case is kind of like a helper to, you know, she's mm -hmm. her own person, everything, but she's really there to take him by the hand and be like, we'll figure this out together. Like it doesn't have to be this way or it can, it's all up to you. So I think she's kind of like the lens for the monster to say like, you know, this is your path. You can take it or you don't, you don't have to, but it's not all cut and dry that way. So that's kind of like what steers the book. And again, like the outcome of the book is basically like the monster's character development. That's where it leaves off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so that's such an ambitious like not to not to say that, you know, these things should have or that I expect these things to have shallow, you know, storylines or anything like that. I don't. I've boy howdy i've read some <laughs> absolutely world-shaking fanfic i'm not here to to Ugh. downplay anything and i i know better than that um one of the best lines in anything i've ever read was in a fucking naruto fanfic oh, I just love to live it. with that um <laughs> but but it, i i do think that 
it would be easy to write a lot of these books that are literally just you fuck whatever right you you fuck mothman you fuck swamp monster um and and of course that's wonderful and that's not to say that that doesn't have value it absolutely does i'd read them um fantastic um but i I do think it's it's really really cool that you took this already really difficult format that you knew i think i mean you must have known that like it wasn't going to be for everybody and you were like I don't care. Let's put in some hardcore philosophy. Let's talk about mortality. Let's talk about fate. Let's talk about expectations and family drama um, while also not being able to give the, the, you know, the, the main female character an actual character, but still have to navigate this world and influence what is going on in this very heavy plot. Like, that's so cool. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's because like I'm always on the verge of an existential crisis. But as I said before, very self-serving. I I think it was one of those things where I just really like to write and I love writing. And I figured, you know, no matter what I write, there's always going to be somewhere out there who someone out there who hates it. So as long as I love it, like I'm doing it for, you know, my time is worth it. So that's kind of where I left off with it. But yeah, it's there's a lot to unpack. Um, I don't always mean for it to be as deep as it is, but again, like the characters just kind of take me there. So yeah, it is what it is. Gideon really was I like, mean, you know, is, you're going to care it, about the, uh, this. The high school uh, English class lesson is that even if you put absolutely no meaning into something, someone's going to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I am the it, walrus. Yes. Yes. You are the walrus. You are the apple. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you are the scarlet letter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, that one actually did have meaning. It did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I just, I think that's really, really cool, and I, and I, I really admire when people do something different and they do it really well, and they do it in such a way that's just so unapologetically just their own thing. And not only do you do this really cool thing that. I don't. I don't know any other. I'm sure there are other authors. Maybe I, this is showing my cards here for being a, a bad host of this podcast. <laughs> uh, but that shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, but I don't know of any other authors who are who are doing this sort of thing. Do you have? Um, honestly, outside from fanfic, no. Yeah. I think I want to say. I think I've heard the Night Circus. I don't even know what that book about is about or who wrote it. Um, I want to say that was definitely not second person, as oh. far as I know, unless people have been lying to me. I thought it was. I don't know. There's some book out there that I've heard is second person, um, but outside of fanfic, I haven't really seen it, honestly. Um, and again, I think it's just because a lot there are there are a lot of people who just don't like it and. I, that's kind of one of the things that I grappled with originally when um, I was thinking of like pursuing this further, being like, do I want to stick with this or not? And for me, it's just such a natural way for me to write that I think it would be even more yeah. difficult if I stepped out of second person. So yeah. that's just kind of how it came to be. But yeah, I can't, I can't think of anyone right now. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's really fucking cool, my dude. That's really cool. I, I think... I mean, I know I struggle. It, it, it's so hard. I think existing as a creator on the internet, like right now is trash. It's always been trash. Right now it's a very particular brand of trash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is really admirable 
I mean, at least to me, from from my perspective, right? Like, it feels like chucking things out into the void more often than not. Like, maybe one or two people notice. But for the most part, it's just screaming darkness. <laughs> you know, like, I put my heart and soul into this. Goodbye! <laughs> you know? Um, there's nothing. And so, so to... To know that you are committing to something that, like, you knew from the get-go was not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And no books are, of course. That's something that you can grapple with every single person who writes a book. But in this particular sense, what you're doing is so unique and is so uh, without the bridge of being a property that people already have feelings for and already exist in in their heads, like Star Wars, right? Um creating your own and asking people to come along with you there. Like, that's very ambitious. And I know I've said it like a million times, but that's really fucking cool, <laughs> my dude. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it it was one of those things at first where I had to like sit down and have a talk to myself and be like, you know, you're not going to be this big, big writer that's just, you know, second person point of view. I just don't think is the vehicle for that, for better or for worse. And I was like, okay. Um, I figured that if I'm going to stay some kind of niche, at least I'm going to own my niche. And I'm really, really appreciative of all the people who love second person point of view and everything. It's like a little community within a community, which is really cool. So um, I'm okay with not being like super wide and whatnot, because I love what I write. I love the perspective of it. And I love being meeting people who have already been kind of in love with it or meeting people who are like, you know what, I wasn't sure at first, but now I'm like all hooked on the second person because I just think it's such an underrated perspective. And I really like being able to kind of, you know, show people what it is and show people that it doesn't have to be like, not to knock 1D fanfic where you're literally sold to One Direction. Um, I used to love that stuff, by the way, back in the day. Um, But like, not to knock that, but to show people that it doesn't have to just be, you know, Silly being sold to One Direction plot as a fanfic, which again, yeah, do pleasure back in the day, but not all that there is. But it can be other things as well, exactly, which is is great. Um, you know that that's 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 dope as hell, and I and I think like I I, what I think of like of a of an advocate for this, like I, I think about I think you, and I'm like. Like you're just standing there in your little corner, like yes, literally second person, <laughs> like waving my have flag. Have you tried second person today? <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> have you have you tried your spoonful of second person? It's I great. promise you, it's delightful. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on the you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's italicized. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love italic. <laughs> yep, yep. I literally I do have. Too. I do. I literally had an italics war with my editor for I think well for all books, but specifically for I think it was for Sin and Spell. I like. I also really love spreadsheets, by the way, um, which inspired one of the you scenes in Sin and Spell. Hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. There's literally a scene in Sin and Spell, like inspired by spreadsheets, but like specifically. Am I am I allowed to say this on here? Can this be a spoiler? I don't. Um, okay, spoiler. There's a scene where um, Eden, the incubus, is literally making a spreadsheet with one hand and fisting you with the other. So um, there's that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just. I'm telling you, self-serving, <laughs> self-serving. That's like the uh, theme. That's really the theme of everything. Um, but I literally had like an editing war with her where I was like seeing how many italics got taken away versus me just adding back and I won. Because honestly, she'll tell me to remove one and I'll be like, okay, fine. And I'll add like two more, which like, not great. <laughs> not great from an editing perspective. But again, I'm just vibing. So it just feels right, you know? It just isn't. Yeah. How will you know the tone if I'm not doing the thing? Exactly. Exactly. It's italics and hyphens are like my jam. So. 
Yeah, I also I, I I use a truly truly abominable amount of m dashes, mm, but it has mm-hmm. to. It's not. It can't be a comma because I have to. It has to be like a sudden stop. Like it has to mm-hmm. be a sudden stop. But how else am I supposed to convey that? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, what's also hard, I guess, about second person is like when you're when you're writing from the eye, it's kind of like everything is an internal monologue. And for second person, mm-hmm. it's like. What do I do to tell you what you're thinking versus like, what are you thinking yeah. as an internal monologue? So like the hyphens and the italics help with that kind of thing. But yeah, there's, there's been like a lot of things that I just tried to experiment with, like incident and spell, for example, um, I typically write in the past tense. So with you, so, you know, like ED ending and all of that, yeah. but incident and spell there is, so the whole background for the FMC is she's a witch, but kind of like a rejected witch. She was never really good at it. Her family is like a clan of pretty high, powerful witches. And they kind of low-key disowned her because she wasn't good at it. And she was like, you know what? The only thing that I was good at when I went to like witch university was potions because it's kind of like baking. I love baking. I'm just going to bake. But she um, is kind of grieving her grandmother, who was a really big influence in her life and who has passed um, since the start of the book. And to kind of cope with the grieving, she takes herself out of the real world and imagines like an I love Lucy, like black and white sitcom romance world. So when I do that, um, I wrote in present tense, I think in italics, like the whole thing in italics. So um, I just really like, I don't know, experimenting with the point of view and just like different things. Again, it's not for everybody, but I thought it was kind of cool. I think it's really cool. I think it's, it's, um, it's really fucking neat this idea of you trying something new every time and experimenting with the format, which let's be honest, romance is not known for. We're not known for our experimental literary style. Uh, (laughs) So it's really neat to be like, yes, I I think I like to do this thing and this conveyed the message I wanted it to convey. But in the next one, I'm going to do it a little bit differently just to see what happens. Um, that's, that's really cool. And that's really like innovative because that's how you discover a format that is entirely your own and like a voice that's entirely your own. Um, and it's not, you can't be mistaken for anybody else. Right. And that is, I mean, you are the queen of brand. Your brand is fantastic. (laughs) I look at your brand. I look (laughs) at your style. I look at your Canva graphics and I say, wow. Yeah. She's so branded. Yeah, sponsored by my desk bike. That's like my creative director at this point. So it's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I love I love the like the lore posts you've been doing. Thank you. I love, the, I love your merch. Can we talk about your merch for a second? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just I, I I view the merch as another fun way just to kind of like be immersive. And my Discord server is mm-hmm. built after Tenebra City. So like each channel is a district and like the theme it goes with the district and that kind of stuff, which is fun. So yeah, I mean, it's all just been kind of like a fun challenge, a fun exercise and world building and seeing what I can do and putting myself in the world to try to help me like yeah. get inspired and everything. But yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it keeps me on my toes trying I mean you know you're not everything that you try isn't gonna work out um but Mm -hmm. it's still like what am I losing by trying it you know so it's yeah it's fun to do like you'll write another one you'll do something else yeah exactly something else that I did in sit and spell that I'm personally like really proud of is the whole like concept of the black and white getting into like getting her back into the real world and eventually at the end she starts going to therapy and just like learning how to cope with different things and 
she kind of learns from Eden and Eden kind of learns from her at the same time. But one of the things that I did was at the beginning of the book, I only mentioned the color red and like grays and, and blacks and whites. And as the book progresses and she meets Eden and kind of gets to know him a little bit better, I started to introduce more and more color. So like, I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. I actually asked Meg, my editor, um, when going back to make sure that like, I didn't mention any, mention any other colors and things like that. Um, so like that incident and spell was fun. And then flame and fraud was like, for me, like I write pretty much, I consider myself like more of like a cozy writer and everything flame and fraud. I would say, mm. is it dark? I would consider it gritty, but that's the one where it's pretty much based on like citizen Kane meets the Godfather. So that one's like a mafia romance. And that's where I started kind of digging into the whole like tenebrosity underground, and, like the mafia families mm. and everything. So that was a challenge for me that I actually really enjoyed. But yeah, it's some of these challenges like really, again, work out because if I didn't try the whole like flame and fraud mafia thing, um, that actually led to the Mistress of the Labyrinth, which is one of the anthology shorts. So that was in the I Am the Fire charity anthology um, and should actually be available soon, hopefully um, as a standalone by itself. Um, but yeah, it's been cool to kind of like dig in and build out the world a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I have a very similar philosophy where, um, you know, I'm not doing um, second person, but it is always, it is forefront of my mind every time I write. I want people to be able to see themselves in the world. I want people to be able to look at it and go, yes, if I was here, I'd be there and I'd do this and I'd be mm -hmm. part of this and I'd, and I'd be dating this person or this, you know, whatever. Um, and it's kind of, how do you, how do you do that? How do you make it open and welcoming and interesting while also keeping it fresh and doing new things and experimenting? Mm -hmm. And like you say, things aren't always going to work. Fucking my bad, my goddamn failures. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's there they happen and it's okay you move on um but it's it's i think it's really cool to see how we we kind of are going towards the same end goal right which you are much more direct we are like you are literally in this book <laughs> you're doing you this better feel <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas i can't really do that because obviously my format isn't built around that but i can be like okay what details here make you feel like you're part of the world? Okay, well, you can pick your gods. You can pick your where you live. You can mm -hmm. all this, all of this stuff, right? Still working on a goddamn quiz. I don't even know how that. Oh, oh, those are fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm I literally like, they're a good time. I, you know, I would highly recommend them. I, well, I was trying to look up like where to do, where to make a quiz. And then the ones I kept finding were real weird or like mm. about like how to make marketing emails more effective Ugh, like send this quiz so that people can, you know yeah i'm like what is what is i just want to i just want to tell people if they're an elf or not yeah uh, please <sighs> you know but anyway but i can yeah. sell you some fucking i don't know throw rugs or something oh i do like those yeah. <laughs> i mean well yeah everyone likes those okay it's not the issue true they sell themselves <laughs> they do they do <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think this idea of of immersion, but also trying to do something new and ambitious each time so you can stretch yourself, but also stretch the world a little bit more is really cool and very, um, I mean, romance novels that are the same thing every time are fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's not the issue. I'm never going to, never going to crib on that because I mean, honestly, 
I love reading five of the same romance novels in a row. If it's what I need and if it's what's right for me, I don't want to stop. I will read all five of those books in a row. I don't care if they're the exact same book with just different names. If it hits me right, it hits me right. However, I do think in the age of indie publishing, we're also in a time where we can do whatever we want yeah. and see if it works. Yeah, definitely. That's I, mean, why I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I love particularly about monster romance and like the indie genres that I, I think it just gives people more options and more things to explore. So, you know, not everyone will like a certain thing. That's fine. But the fact that it's out there means that someone else can pick it up and maybe they'll discover that they do like it or they already did like it. So it's just another option for them to have. The I especially appreciate like the inclusivity and just, you know, all these different pairings that you see. Taking the whole like human aspect out of it, out of it also almost makes romance a little bit more human in a way it's kind of interesting yeah. to see um just like the colors on the page and everything I just really love about monster romance so yeah but I mean like the whole thing about second person point of view is that for it to work it really has to be an experience so that's just kind of like the name of the game for me in terms of even if I'm not putting out new books or if you're not reading my books everything that I do I try to cater to keep it in the experience so that people are still like feel like there's still you in the book, you know? So it's not like yeah. completely jarring. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think the amount of thought you put into it, the amount of care you put into it shows. Um, and it's just, I mean, keep doing it. You Someday you're going to have a bunch of people who are doing it too, and you're going to be the first. You're the innovator. You're the um, mother of second person. Oh, boy. Second oh, person monster fighting. Write that on my tombstone. That would be amazing. Yeah. But Make you I a mean, it's been, sticker to put on your bike. Oh, that'd be fun. It's just been really fun just to, you know, get to meet people, get to talk to people, get to, get to try new things. Um, I feel like I'm literally taking people being like, get in, loser, we're going pegging. And you know what? For the people who come into the car and strap in the seatbelt, like, let's go. I'm ready to rev Amongst up. other things. Yeah. We're not just strapping on seatbelts, friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I think that is a wonderful place to lay on, or lay on. Well, now, okay, now I'm thinking about some. Okay, it's a good place to leave go. off. <laughs> um, so here at the end, I would love for you to use this platform to plug whatever you want to plug, to peg whatever you'd want to peg. Ooh. Really, it's it's up to you. I would like to peg anything. Um, oh, I don't know. This is, uh, this is hard for me. I'm like in between writing right now. I actually have a few things coming up. I have a few exciting secret projects this year, some not so secret projects. Um, I, I kind of, I went really hard. I started writing, I think in November, 2021. So last year was my first like full year as an author. And I went really hard and really aggressive writing what I wrote and I love everything that I wrote, but I definitely felt like a little bit of burnout. So I'm looking at this year as more of like an introspection, like self-care, making sure that I can balance writing and work and everything. So I'm in between things right now, but I guess if I had mm -hmm. to peg or plug um, yeah. something, actually, I don't even know where to begin. I'd say, pick your poison, go to my website, see what you like, and just try it out. Everything is, again, inter interconnected, standalone. You can try whatever. Um, my latest, so the first book that I wrote was Quiver and Quill, which again is a Mothman Professor romance. And then I think technically the latest thing that I wrote was a duet of two novellas, um, Grinch and Guile, the, du the duet. If you've ever yes. wanted to do anything with the Grinch, this is your calling. 
Um, <laughs> so it's happening now. <laughs> yeah. This is your, this is like literally the green light in Great Gatsby. It's flickering. Go, go for it. Absolutely. I couldn't, I, I literally, I had to look twice at it when I saw it. And then I was like, I saw it again. And I was like, wait, she didn't do a sequel. She didn't do, she did a, she did do a sequel. She's crazy. I did She's it. She's crazy. I love it. Yeah. And I used candy in a very inappropriate way. So I won't spoil that oh, one, but it's come in there. On. Everyone's going to be so sticky. <laughs> it's in there. It is, but you know what? You just gotta roll with it. I don't want no. I don't want to put tootsie rolls there. Stop uh, it. Well, they're not tootsie rolls. They're nerd's ropes. <laughs> Homemade. <laughs> Homemade. That no, one was fun. No, that no. was literally. You don't get a pass on that. Homemade nerd's ropes. I could take candy canes. I could take candy fruit. Yeah, I did collapse. so much research. I cannot I take a nerd's so rope being research. made at home. I did so much research. I'm telling you, it was worth it. Yeah, I I literally, so I guess, I know we're at the end, but just quick background. Um, Grinch and Guile, the original, was a novella written, I think, December last year for Christmas. Um, and it was literally because people were like, I don't want to fuck the Grinch. And I was like, I will make you want to fuck the Grinch. I want to fuck the Grinch. So here we go. Again, get in, loser, we're going pegging. So um, that was that. And then it just got like a really good reception. Um, so then I decided to write part two, which takes place a year after the events of part one. And then they're combined in the duet. So part two for me literally felt like I was writing like crack fic of my own work, which was like the best thing for me when I was closing out the year. Again, feeling oh a little God. bit burned out. I just wanted yeah. to have fun with it. So it was almost therapeutic, especially after like Halloween Key was a little bit more like Gloomy Halloween, like sad boy that vibes. Was heavy. It had yeah. some heavy stuff in it. Yeah. So, like, taking myself from Flame and Fraud, which was like the like gritty mafia, to Halloween Hue, which is like this. Oh, gritty, gritty mafia with two dicks, by the way. He uses both of them. Just saying. Double barrel shotgun. Just saying. Um, so, going from that to like Halloween Hue, sad boy gargoyle artist, like soft boy vibes, like all that kind of stuff. So then Grinch and Guile was like, it was a lot, but it was a good, it was ending the year on Grinch and Guile, I think was like a really good decision for me. Cause it was just a lot of fun and anything just kind of went with that. I was like, you know what? He wants to do it. He's going to do it. And you know, that's it. I mean, sometimes you need to just coast on vibes. I get it. I mean, I that's think like, we have our, we have our workbooks and then we have our reward books. And right now I'm in the middle of writing a reward book that is, has literally no plot. So, you know, Mm-hmm. Gotta do what you gotta do. And usually those ones end up being the favorite. So, which is Mm -hmm. frustrating, but fine. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, I think you can tell as a reader, like I'm transparently, I'm not a great reader, especially when I'm writing. I just like don't have the spoons to read on the side. It's just, it's a lot of mental gymnastics for me. Um, But you can tell as a reader, like when someone really enjoyed what they wrote or had fun with it versus if it's like, Okay, they just kind of wrote this, and you can tell, you know, they they didn't have their full gumption in it. It's fine, but it doesn't hit the same way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, Okay, so where can people find these absolutely outrageous books? Um, They can find them. I would say the best place to go is my website. So amcorewrites.com. Um, with a with a k and just an e at the end but i will put links in correct yep yep and then you can browse around there um i have a whole tab for books and content warnings so it has like all the links to where you can actually download the books and everything they're all right now i believe on kindle unlimited 
Um, so you can go there and download, take a look at the content warnings. I always encourage that um, just to make sure you're all Gucci there. Um, and then my, my website also has some like other fun stuff on it too. So um, there's actually an interactive map for Tenever City. So it's, it looks like a Google Maps and you can like hover over different locations and see like what they are and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And there are a few fun quizzes in there too. So you can see um, if you were a Tenever City resident, which district you should live in, you can see like which of the monster love interests is like your perfect match. Um, and then there's some fun art. And by fun, I mean like really fun. So yeah, I've, I've worked with some of this art. Yeah, so I've worked with some like really sick. talented artists and I'm very happy. So a lot yeah. of sexy, sexy art, a lot of fluids, mm -hmm. things, a lot of lot of fun colors. You know you girl likes mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. You should go check it out. And I encourage everybody to give second person a shot. Give it a shot. Just I try it. Drawing it first. <laughs> Just try it. Five pages. They're yeah. not long. Five pages is nothing. That's nothing. Give it a shot. You've read worse. Hey. You've read worse. Yeah. Maybe even if you don't like it, you could just cross it off the list. You know, at least you tried it. But yeah, you tried I'll it. Slow, I'll slow my it. car down and let you, you know, take off your seatbelt and get out of the pegging car. It's fine. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll, I'll roll down the window. You can look inside. Yeah, no judgment. See, you know, if it's your thing. I won't grab you yet. Mm -hmm. But those in the pegging car who choose to remain, we are getting ice cream. So I'm just saying. Yes. Not not to bribe, but yeah. it is happening. It's a good time. Where the ice cream goes, who's to say? Oh, lots of fluids, lots of temperatures, you know, lots of holes to fill. Yeah. We love some unconventional lube, don't mm -hmm. we? Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, I got things. I got things and what all here at the end. Um, I got lots of books out. I don't know how that happened, but it did. I got like three books out. I got a book coming out in March. I have a book coming out in May. Damn. I have all of the things happening. I know. I'm going to have like nine books out by the end of oh, this year. Aren't you it's tired? This year. It's fucked how are, up. How are you still standing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually tired. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. My mom was like, dude, when do you take time off? And I was like, sometimes Never. I take half days. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, but. Um, so Car Courtship's Conquest, book two in the main series of the New Protectorate, that comes out in total on Patreon. All of the chapters, it wraps up, it is finished, done, fini, on Patreon next week in your time. So our would be, hold on, in your time, listener, it would be this Sunday. So this Sunday, all of the chapters are available to read a whole month early from when it's going to be released out on Kindle Unlimited paperback. What all? Oh, giddy up. Yeah, so you can read it all. It's it's a it's a wild time, folks. It's a wild time. Um and so that book is coming out on March 28th, so if you don't want to sign up for Patreon to read it. That's cool. That's oh, cool. it's an Aries. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, it's got big Aries energy for real. <laughs> Both of the main characters are alphas. Like, yeah, it's a it's a lot. Aries vibes. Um, you did that on purpose. Yeah. You know, I just I just wanted two sloppy people. I wanted two really sloppy dominant people falling. Oh, uh, that's a vibe. Were at one point, uh, teenage sweethearts until they had a falling out, and then also there's oh, a faded mate element in there. The yeah. best. Because I want. That sounds sloppy. Um, yeah, they are they are a whole ass mess, and they're both very hot. Um, mm. One of them is a coyote shifter. It's a whole thing. But Ooh. 
One of them's purple. Wait, what more do you want from me? Ooh. Not the coyote, but that would be fun. Oh, um, be fun. But yeah, so you can read that. You can you can pre-order it still. I'm gonna be doing book boxes. I've got a bunch of I made I had a little bit of an issue with some manufacturer delays because I'm an idiot and didn't account for Lunar New Year. So one of the like big things coming in the book boxes was shipped out two weeks later than I thought it would be. My <laughs> bad. It's fine. That's happening. But then I also have a book coming out in May. That is Strike, the hotly anticipated uh, novella featuring the um, elemental who dropped from the sky into the arms of a big green dragon man at the end of the stray. I didn't plan on writing anything for them. I wasn't given an option. Sometimes it be that way. It do be that way. Readers were like, so when are we getting that? And I said, wait, what? <laughs> what? Okay. Sure, yeah, I'll think of something. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so you can uh, pre-order that. Or you can also read that. That'll be done probably in the next four weeks-ish. Four weeks over on Patreon. So that, and then that comes out in May. So if you want to read that. And then we have book three starting. We have book three starting on Patreon in, in uh, probably the last week of May, first week of April. Everything's happening all at once. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just use the links and do something with them. Preferably give me money. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. That is the end of the podcast. I've got links for everything below. Links for all of uh, AM stuff, all of the good, good books, her website, all of the things. Get it. Do it. Take that spoonful of second person and swallow it down. Mm-hmm. Good. Do it. All right. Yeah. Any last words? I, I think I think you said everything right there. I probably did say everything. Yeah, gulp down that second person. La- you know, yeah. along with some other things. Do what do whatever your little heart desires. Yeah, yeah. Within reason. Mm, maybe. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Cause chaos. That's a, that's a good message too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is the end of this podcast. I will see y'all next week. Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media/podcast.